Join WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio and tour guide Guy Murphy of Totally Yours and enter into scripture, bringing to life the rich traditions of our Catholic faith as we journey with Jesus. Welcome to this episode of Journey with Jesus, including the 15 proofs that Jesus Christ is the Son of God on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. I'm your tour guide, Guy Murphy. Joining our pilgrimage through the Holy Land is Jeff Scott. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks, Guy. I'm glad to be here. I'm learning a lot as we journey with Jesus. Last time we went to the shepherd's field where they were visited by the angel and then Bethlehem where Jesus Christ was born. What insights do you have for us today? This time we will go to a special place called the Milk Grotto. We will hear about how baby Jesus was driven out of his own country by a corrupt king and lived as a refugee in Egypt. And we will see a humongous wall that today's governments made that is driving out the Christians and others so they have to live like refugees in foreign countries. That sounds intense. Is this the spot where the wise men came to visit? Many people think that the wise men visited on Christmas night and they fled into Egypt a few days later. As we look close at the Word of God, we see that the wise men found the child in the house with Mary his mother. Jesus was already in the house and not a cave with a manger. Also, Luke tells us that after 40 days, Jesus was presented in the temple. Many speculate that Jesus would have been around six months old when they fled into Egypt. That makes sense. Let us listen to the word of God in Matthew chapter 2, because it is the visit of the wise men that sparked the violence from King Herod. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will govern my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem. Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. When they had heard the king, they went their way. And lo, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother and they fell down and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, 
they departed to their own country by another way. Wow, a miraculous star and wise men figured out that God was telling the world that his Messiah is born. How beautiful. I like the part when they saw the star, they rejoiced with great joy. Personally, I love looking at stars at night. It makes me think of God. Some people say that it had to be a supernova exploding or something like that. No, when you do the math, you find that when something is millions of miles away and the earth is rotating, a supernova can only point a direction like north, south, east, or west and cannot point out a little town on our little earth. It had to be a miraculous star that had a tail that came down to little Bethlehem. How wonderful. The joy was short-lived, however. Soon, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph had to flee Bethlehem. As we leave the church of the Nativity, we make two sharp left-hand turns, only around a hundred yards or so away, to the Milk Grotto. According to Christian tradition, while Mary and Joseph were fleeing Herod's soldiers on their way to Egypt, they stopped in this cave while Mary nursed the baby Jesus. A drop of Mary's milk fell upon the stone and it turned the whole cave white. Very good, but that sounds kind of strange. Actually, I thought it was a little hokey for many years and I did not even take pilgrims there. On one pilgrimage a few years back, one pilgrim was begging to go. We had a little extra time, so we checked it out. The exploring adventure sometimes makes the pilgrimage. To my surprise, the Franciscan friar there had kept documented records of how many reported miracles took place there. He did not have two or three or even ten. He had several thousand letters sent in thanksgiving for favors received. I was generally impressed, so I looked deeper into its surprisingly rich history. Thousands of reported miracles, huh? Yes, the friar had about ten scrapbooks of letters and pictures sent in. The letters came from all over the world. Most of them were for couples who were able to conceive babies through the intercession of praying there and of drinking the milk powder. One couple had triplets. Some letters attributed other miracles such as the healing from cancer, blindness, paralysis, and awakening from comas, all from Jesus Christ through the intercession of the Blessed Mother at the Milk Grotto. Yes, I am impressed as well. I'm glad you take pilgrims there. How long have miracles been taking place there? It has a tradition dating back many centuries. The old chapel built over the grotto even dates back to the year 385 AD. From as early as the 7th century, fragments from the cave were sent to churches in Europe. The site was recognized by a proclamation of Pope Gregory XI in the year 1375 AD. The Franciscans erected a church around the Milk Grotto in the year 1872. Wow, 385 AD. So it has probably always been around since the time of Jesus. Yes, and today pilgrims could take home tiny packets of the white powder from the grotto and together the couple for 40 days follows a devotion that includes drinking small amounts of the powder and saying a prayer. 
It is the faith in Jesus Christ, along with Mary's intercession, that sometimes gets a grace of a great miracle. I tell people this is the spot where the most documented miracles occur in the Holy Land. So, do not be afraid to include it in your adventure to the Holy Land. That was great. Where to next? We will be leaving Bethlehem. This is a good time to listen to the Word of God regarding the flight into Egypt. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt and remain there till I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, was in a furious rage, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time which he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they were no more. The thought of your own government trying to kill you and other innocents for getting in the way over fear of losing control or power makes the soul shudder. That is another reason we need Jesus Christ to reign in the world. We saw the tombs of the innocents earlier, and today we are going to see a similar mystery of the wall that makes refugees. The wall that makes refugees? What is that? You will have to see it to believe it. Brace yourselves. We are going to look at this sensitive topic through Christian principles, not politically correct ones. As we leave Bethlehem and go through the checkpoints, you will see something shocking. What is that? This is a humongous 28-foot high wall. This is absolutely shocking and mind-boggling because most Americans have never heard of this wall, even though we paid for its construction. It seems like we hear news about the Holy Land every day. How does something this massive slip under the radar? I'm shocked. If people who cherished freedom knew about it, they would demand that it be taken down. The Berlin Wall was 9 foot high and 100 miles long, and the world rejoiced when it was taken down in 1989. That was a victory for humanity, justice, and freedom everywhere. Wow, how big is this wall? This wall is 28 feet high and 400 miles long. The government here says it needs this wall for security to prevent terrorism. Security is good, isn't it? It is if it is not an excuse to perform other heinous crimes. In the year 2006, our pilgrim group had an interview with the then Archbishop and Patriarch of Jerusalem, Michael Saba. He said that the wall did not bring security, but insecurity. He said it did not bring peace, but a permanent war. 
He said much of this was an abuse of the rich against the poor. Often Patriarch Saba has often spoken in support of the Palestinian rights, the two-state solution, and the Palestinian refugees' right of return. He has criticized the West Bank barrier and called for an end to the Israeli occupation of the Gaza Strip and the West Bank, including East Jerusalem. In 2006, Patriarch Saba was one of the signatories of the Jerusalem Declaration Against Christian Zionism, which repudiates Christian Zionism as inconsistent with Christian teaching. Christian Zionism? What's that? Christian Zionism is where some quote-unquote Christians support the concept that Zionist Jews should control everything in the Holy Land and everybody else should be expelled as unclean. What are those injustices? What do you call the relatives of Peter, James, and John who are good Jews but embrace Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God? I don't know. What do you call them? Today, they are called Palestinians, Christian Palestinians. I guess I never thought of Palestinians as being Christians. We have to take a short break. To see more information on our pilgrimages and books, visit www.totallyyours.org. I'm your tour guide, Guy Murphy, on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, taking us on a journey with Jesus to the Holy Land. WSFI is in need of your financial support. Donate online at WSFICatholicRadio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois, 60048. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. Are you enjoying this WSFI local program and want to share it with others? Visit WSFICatholicRadio.org and click on Listen, Then Programming. That's WSFI Catholic Radio, Listen, Then Programming. Welcome back. This is your tour guide, Guy Murphy, on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, taking us on a journey with Jesus to the Holy Land. Here with our guest, Jeff Scott. We are at the infamous wall on the outskirts of Bethlehem. When you visit a place and talk with the people, you get a different viewpoint from what's projected by the media elites. I'm still digesting the thought of the relatives of Peter, James, and John, and those that embrace Jesus' gospel, still living there today and being called Palestinians. I thought the Palestinians were foreign invaders. Where does the term Palestine come from? In Genesis chapter 21, the land was called Palestine. Remember that almost 3,000 years ago, Solomon brought in many pagan gods here because of his 700 wives, and thus the 12 tribes of Israel split up. Ten of the tribes intermarried and had various religion practices. Only the tribe of Judah and Benjamin stayed together, and they controlled Jerusalem as their capital. See the book of Kings chapter 1 and 2. This was known as the Kingdom of Judah, or Jewish. 
Jerusalem was just a single city in a small and divided country state. So what happened to the other ten tribes? The other ten tribes were known as the kingdom of Israel, and their capital was Samaria. Later, these ten tribes were despised by the Jews, and the Jews did not call them Israelites, but called the separated tribes Samaritans. I've heard of the Samaritans. How far is Samaria from Jerusalem? Only 25 miles away. Many of them were blood brothers from the 12 tribes, but they were all engaging what the Lord and the prophets called wickedness. Many leaders of the kingdom of Israel, Samaria, were carried away to exile. Eventually, the wickedness of the kingdom of Judah, Jerusalem, caused them to be carried away as well. I remember the repeated warnings of the prophets before it happened. What happened during the time of Jesus? 2,000 years ago, the Romans called the whole divided area Palestine. Most historians agree that in the first 1,000 years after Jesus Christ, the majority of the people in Palestine-slash-Israel were converted to Christianity. Many Jews and pagans converted to Christianity. Some people remained Jewish, some remained pagan. In the year 629 was the Arab invasion that took place that controlled the government, but the majority of the population was still Christian. With the Muslims in control and the tax imposed on non-Muslims, over the next thousand years, the majority converted to Islam. Basically, they are all blood brothers. Should the land be given to one religious group of the brothers, or should it be peacefully shared? How big of an area are we talking about anyway? Palestine is the area one-seventh the size of the state of Illinois. That had a mixture of the people living there. The Ottoman Empire, which were Muslims, ruled the area for over 400 years until after World War I. That came the mandate for Palestine. This mandate was for the British to rule while giving the Jewish people a home and respecting everyone's faith who already lived in the area. After World War II, the mandate was set to expire and Israel declared its independence in May 1948. This kicked off the Israeli-Arab War of 1948, which Israel won. Shouldn't Israel be able to keep the land since it won the war? The United Nations try to set up some standards of justice that all the nations of the world agree upon that is based on fairness and not might is right. Or we know we are headed for World War III. For example, if China decides to take over a country because it's more powerful, the world community lets them know that if they want to trade with others, we have to respect borders, etc. What happened after 1948? After 1948, Israel controlled the country of Palestine even though they made up around 32% of the population. Further, the United Nations, the UN, partitioned granted them about 55% of the land. The United States showers billions of dollars each year in aid and military technology to Israel. Many visitors from all over the world and many faiths want to come here to visit their roots. Actually, the British wisely split up Jerusalem into quarters so that Jewish, Christian, Muslim, and Armenians can come here and visit without fighting with each other. 
when they share and come to pray, that sounds pretty good. Yes, it is. However, with different peoples and different ideologies, there is always tensions. But in the year 2000, the Israeli government started to build the 400-mile, 28-foot wall. The biggest problem with the wall is they did not build it on Israeli property, but on Palestinian property. The wall separated the people from their city into their own farmland. So the Israeli wall was built on Palestinian property? Why would they do that? Do you see that city on the hill over there? Yes, it's like a big city on a hill. Have you ever heard of the term settlements? Yes, I hear that term all the time. I don't know exactly what they are. A settlement is a quickly built city on other people's property that is confiscated. The Israeli government would close the borders of the wall, take the land on the other side, and put up a settlement on the Palestinian land for Jewish people to immigrate. Due to massive immigration, the population in Israel has been exploding and has doubled from a little over 4 million in 1990 to over 8 million today. A lot of the immigration takes place into these settlements. The government does that to the people they're trying to govern? It sounds terrible. This is all here, even at Bethlehem. Where are all the Jewish immigrants coming from? The bulk of the immigration to Israel is coming from Russia. In 1983, they switched the rules from a patriarchal society, like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, etc., to a matriarchal society. The critics complained that they can recruit millions of non-Jewish Russians who want to leave Siberia for a better life if they say their grandmother was a Jew. Once in Israel, they can vote in favor of their policies. However, the Book of Revelation warns twice Beware of those who say they are Jews but are not, from Revelations chapter 2 verse 9 and Revelations chapter 3 verse 9. Given the massive immigration of people who claim to be Jews, the population went from 32% Jewish to around 80% Jewish. The Christians are being driven out and their population dropped from 8% down to 2%. Even one of our Christian guides recently came to America to try and get a better life for his family. Isn't this all done for security reasons? Critics to the government say the excuse for security is not true because when you move in a million people in such a short time onto settlements on stolen Palestinian property, it was pre-planned. It is so secretive because someday the history will show that this refugee maker wall is not a security wall, but a wall of shame. The international community considers the settlements in occupied territories to be illegal, and the United Nations has repeatedly upheld the view that Israel's construction of settlements constitutes a violation of the Fourth Geneva Convention. It really does look like a big prison wall. The complaints of many injustices, starting with the wall, which has Palestinians locked in as if it were a prison. If the government decides to close the borders, they are left with rotting produce. Further, people are left without medical treatment. For example, 
Women in labor are denied access to a hospital delivery, causing mother and child both to die or medical emergencies arise and people die because they cannot get to a hospital. Eventually, in despair, someone in the culture cracks and blows themselves up in retaliation. That gives the government license to fire rockets at terrorist suspects and many civilians die. How sad. Who is being the voice for the poor? The Dominican Order has long been a voice for peace and justice in the Holy Land. They have a lot of information on their website. I happen to be a lay Dominican, so I'm aware of the problem. Have any of the media outlets picked up the story? Kino Lorber made a film called The Wanted 18. The 18 happen to be cows that produce milk. It is a film about a mix of an animation and interviews of Palestinian people telling a true story on how the army pursued 18 cows because the independent milk production was a threat to their national security of the state of Israel. I will have to look up the Wanted 18 movie. Some Palestinians, like former patriarch Michael Saba, wanted a two-state solution. Because when you are a citizen in a country where the government wants you gone, it's going to lead to problems. This is not a religious matter, it is a tyrannical abuse of power matter. Since the United States supported this behavior, tensions rose throughout the world. It sounds like a tough situation. Whose side should we be on, the Palestinian side or the Jewish side? When we are asked the question, whose side should we be on, the Palestinian or the Jewish side, we should answer that we are on the side of Jesus Christ, the one for liberty and justice for all, including the poor. What would Jesus do? Jesus preached, whatever you do to the least of my brother, you do it to me, from Matthew 25. Jesus was poor and he was persecuted by his government. Thanks to King Herod, Jesus was also a refugee. It is very important to learn the facts and not just rely on the media elite who only tell us one side of the story. Pray for peace and justice in the Holy Land. The names are changed since Jesus' time, but the story is the same. Lord, have mercy on us all. All the problems in the world actually illustrate that we need Jesus Christ, his law of love, and his saving grace. Many times we think we can fix things by ourselves or some distance committee will solve our problems, but in reality, with our fallen nature, without Jesus we tend to a culture of selfishness and death. Come, Lord Jesus, come. So Jesus left here and fled as a refugee into Egypt. Do we know how long he was there? Scholars estimate that Jesus was around five years old when we returned to Israel. Let us listen to the Word of God in Matthew chapter 2 to see how it came out. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus reigned over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, 
that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. Now the good news. Jesus Christ came back and lived as a humble carpenter's son until he was 30 years old. And then he started his public ministry to set the world on fire with the love of God. He started building up his beautiful kingdom of peace, justice, love, and glory to God. And Jesus continues his work through us. And someday his promise that is asked for in the Our Father prayer will happen. God's holy will will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. This will coincide with the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. There will be no more tears and the earth will be a beautiful place of Christ's civilization of love. Praise the Lord. That wraps up this episode of Journey with Jesus. Today we visited the miraculous milk grotto and we saw the infamous wall of refugees at Bethlehem. What will we see next time? Next time we'll go to the Judean desert. We'll visit the spot where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls and even take a swim in the Dead Sea. We will also learn more about how to teach your soul how to fly with the angels. Great guy. I look forward to it. The audio Bible came from the Truth in Life and you could download your free copy of the Gospel of Mark at www.downloadjesus.org. For more information on our pilgrimages, books, and local events, visit www.totallyyours.org. This is your tour guide, Guy Murphy on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. We will talk with you the next time, going to Jesus through Mary. This was Journey with Jesus on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. For more information about this or any other program, visit WSFIRadio.org.